You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. I love that uh, the new year kind of always forces us to recalibrate, doesn't it? Even if you don't really want to, something in our brain, just because of our culture and obviously a calendar, forces us to kind of recalibrate, to think about what's happened and to think about what's ahead. And, um, you know, it kind of forces us to come to a place of, of evaluating our lives. You know, I, I think of this scripture that's in the Bible that talks about a man standing in front of a mirror and then he goes away and he forgets what he looks like. And the idea behind it is that when you look in the mirror, you should actually look in the mirror and be honest with what you see. You shouldn't just walk away and Pretend like you didn't see the problems or the issues or the difficulties. And for me, whenever I get to this time of year, I tend to look in the mirror of first my own life, because that's our first call, look in the mirror of your own life, and to say, what, what's God trying to shine back on me maybe right now? Maybe what's, what does he want me to see? What does he want me to adjust and correct? What does he want to transform within me? And what does he want to do in me? And, and then, of course, as pastor here, I, I'm trying to look in the mirror of us as a church and say, okay, God, what, what do we need to change? What, what needs to be different? What, what are you calling us to? What, what maybe uh, spots are you showing us in the mirror that we didn't see before? And so I'm always coming to that place this time of year, and, and really the message I'm going to speak today, and, and even some that we're going to speak for the next few weeks, it's not necessarily a series, but I want to hit a theme uh, that I think is the challenge for every one of us. No matter who you are, no matter how long you've known Christ or how long you've been in church or how well you know the Bible or all the things that we kind of measure ourselves up in, there's a challenge in the Bible for us as Christians that should constantly be a challenge. And when I say the word challenge, it means it's not supposed to be easy. It means it's actually a little bit hard. It's something kind of difficult. And the word, and you see it in your notes today, is this word that struck me over the last few months, just kind of ending the year, and even in some of the difficult situations that we've experienced. This idea of maturity matters. Maturity in Christ, what does that actually mean? You know, I'm... I'm uh, Probably in my nature and my gifting, I bend towards evangelism. <laughs> Meaning that mostly my time and my mind is consumed with those who don't know Jesus yet. That's just my honest go-to. I wake up and I literally think as I'm driving my daughter to school about every car that I pass, because I'm usually passing people, about how they might not know Jesus and then I cover my face so that they don't see me and just in case they come to church next week. But I think to myself, like, all the people driving by this building that probably don't know Christ on a Sunday morning, all the people that I interact with in a store, and, and it always gets me when I go to, like, a sports game. Like, I've had my friends say, you can't just enjoy a sports game. I go there and I get all contemplative. I'm looking around at 20,000 or I go to a Bills game and there's 70,000 people in the stadium. And I think to myself, at a Bills game, how many of these people know Jesus? Sorry, Bills fans. 
But if you've ever been to a Bills live game, I'm not sure how many of them know Jesus, especially up in the seats where I sit. And I think to myself, it's in, it, it blows my mind. And so my, my head and my heart, I lean towards this place of like, who doesn't know God and how do we reach them? How do we show them the essence of who this God is that loves them dearly, that sacrificed his son to give them grace so that they don't end up in this eternity separate from him? How do we reach these people? And so I'm always dreaming, how do us as a church, how do we go out into the reaches of the world to show people the good news that we know about? And that's extremely important. But I was challenged the end of this year. I was challenged in my prayer time where Jesus says, but what about going deep with me? And there's a place in my own life where that's been a challenge as well. Because I'm always wanting to do, I don't know about you, but I, I like to work. I like to accomplish something. In fact, there, there really isn't a day that goes by where I can't do something so that I can look back at the end of the day and go, oh, I got that done. That felt good. Yesterday, it was cutting up all the branches and trees that fell down these last two storms. My kids hate when I, you know, wake them up and say, hey, guys, guess what we're doing today? But for me, at the end of the day, I'm like, it feels good. And so there's this doing aspect that's healthy as a person and as a Christian, but it can't be everything. Because if you're just doing, you tend to be really broad, but maybe can tend to go a little shallow. And when I read the scriptures, I, you see this word maturity that comes up over and over. And I think this word maturity can kind of be held synonymously with the understanding of being deep with Christ. Being deep in our understanding of him and deep in what does it actually mean to be a Christ follower and to look like God designed us to look. Not just showing up on Sundays. Not just checking our time card as a Christian. Not just doing the minimal things to get by. But actually, what does it look like to be a mature person in Christ? And I was challenged by my own life and by us as a church. Now, I'm not going to call us immature. But I would just say as a general sense, we all have immaturities. As Christians, we do. Want to know why? Because we're not with Jesus yet. Because <laughs> we haven't fully experienced what it means to be with him in every way. And I'm not sure there is a, a fullness on this side of heaven or not. There's a debate of that in Christianity. Maybe there is. But I know this, that we're on this endeavoring process to see God mature us as Christians. And if we're not, then we're missing something. And so I want to start in Ephesians 4 this morning. And read the scripture that comes to mind. This is Ephesians 4. This is where you've got this language that Paul's writing to the Ephesian church. And he's talking about the body of Christ. And he's talking about these gifts given to the body. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And we get to verse 12 in chapter 4. And he says this, their responsibility, he's talking about these gifts, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This will continue. So 
you know, my first thought when I read this is, you're wondering when the end of the world is going to happen? Meaning, when is Jesus coming back? Well, we just know that by scriptures like this, that it will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I would just say we've probably got a little bit of time still. Till we all come to such unity. That one alone. To all to be in unity. Like this is, he starts to give this description even in the midst of the explanation of what it means to be mature in Christ. That we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I, I almost can't imagine it. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The full and complete standard of Christ. Uh, if we just keep saying that over and over, we'll just keep feeling smaller and smaller. The full and complete standard of Christ. It, it's like if you stood next to Jesus, you would just be getting shorter and shorter and shorter as you tried to realize. It's like Paul, you see in his writings and the letters, he, he introduces himself in his letters. And, and honestly, some of his early letters, he says, Hi, I'm Paul, an apostle for Christ. And he, and he gives this, this thing where he's been given the authority of Christ to go into all the world. And then we get down and he starts to call himself a slave and a servant. And, and then we get to a place where he literally says, I'm the worst of sinners. And we, get, we see that, and I think it's kind of like that in Christianity, that some, somehow as we get closer to Jesus, we tend to realize how much we're not quite like him yet. You know, it's... it's Probably one of my biggest struggles that I have with people when I have a conversation, maybe in a difficult situation or, or, or a, a relational breakdown of some sort, and one side of that party really decides to believe they've done nothing wrong. And I'm like, no one's done nothing wrong. So if you're starting from there, if you think I've done nothing wrong in whatever situation, then I'm telling you, you're the one probably doing the most wrong. Because the closer we get to Christ, the more we start to look in that mirror of our lives, the more we start to realize, whoa, wow, I need some work. And we get closer to Christ's heart and we understand how he loves the world and we understand how he gives himself for the world and we start to realize, man, I'm selfish and, and I'm self-seeking and, and I don't know how to actually live like that. So there's this place where it's not meant to be a downer, but it is meant to be a reality check. A reality check that says, I think we've got some, some ground to gain when it means we should look like Christ more. I think there's some growth that needs to happen in us, and we see through the scriptures what this looks like and starts to, to get some ideas. And so over these next number of messages, I, I want to I kind of get to some nitty-gritty. What does it mean to be mature in Christ? In Hebrews 5, let's read some scriptures from there. The Hebrews writer is a little bit unfriendly in this moment. In Hebrews 5, verse 12, he says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's words. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. 
For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So here you've got this, imagine getting a letter like this, like, whoa, is he calling us a baby? <laughs> but there's this reality check that we should look at our lives and say, are, are we being mature or are we, st- in the, you know, in other versions it says, you're acting like children. That there's this place where God wants to mature us beyond just the first experience of his grace. Like it's absolutely where we've got to start. What Jesus did on the cross, what he paid for, the grace we receive of salvation is the beginning line of our life. It's the birth. That's why we call it being born again. But who wants to stay a baby? God has more for us. He has us to grow up into these stages of Christianity where we become effective in his kingdom. Where he transforms us into looking like he's desired us always to look. And the Hebrews writer, he's challenging the Hebrew people in this moment. And this is what's funny. This is to the Hebrews. The Hebrews. The ones who have known God a very, very, very long time. The ones who have been practicing Judaism in this religion. And they're the ones that should be closest to the maturity in Christ. Yet the writer is like... You still need people to teach you the basics. And so he's challenging them. Let's move beyond that. And he says, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I just wanted to give you in your notes, there's a, a, the Greek understanding of the word mature there. And you see it actually in some of the translation. It says perfect, complete. Fully developed. The mature means fully developed. And we see this perfect and complete statement in the Gospels, and we see it in the letters of Paul, and we see it in the New Testament. We see it a whole bunch of times. Actually, I couldn't even write down all the times where we see this perfect and complete kind of put together in different moments throughout the Scripture. But one of the ones that stands out is from Jesus, Matthew 5. You can turn there. Matthew 5, you've got Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's coming through all this teaching, and he gets down to verse 48, and he says, But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's the same word, teleos. It's mature. You're to be mature. You're to be fully developed. You're to be complete. Now listen, the Sermon on the Mount, as he's delivering it, to the Jews in that day was, was mind-blowing to them. It was really actually just mostly confusing. And they're listening to this teacher that they've heard all these incredible things about. They don't know if he's the Messiah yet. You know, maybe the disciples do at this point, but they don't know he's the Messiah. They don't know what these words are, and he's delivering these messages, these controversial challenges to their lives. And then he gets to this place where he literally says, you're to be perfect, complete, fully developed, as your Father in heaven is perfect. To read a scripture like that almost makes me feel like, well, I'll just throw the chips in. There's no way I can do that. I don't know about you. Does it ever make you feel that way? There's this tension that happens in Christianity. 
This tension where there's supposed to be this absolutely inclusive, wide open door that anyone can come in. And it's true, anyone can come in. That Jesus has this door wide open. He says, come in. But then once we get in, it gets a little bit narrower. (laughs) Because he absolutely expects for us to be different. For us to change. For us to be transformed. For us to reach from this place where he accepts us any way we are. And we get the grace that he has on the cross. And salvation has been received. But then from there, he's not okay with us staying the same. That we're actually supposed to become fully developed. That word literally means process. Now process never happens with the snap of a finger. It doesn't happen with one prayer at an altar on a Sunday morning. Development is literally what it is. Development. To build upon. To take something and add to it when you say that word. There's a creation that takes place in us, but then there's a development that happens after that. And if as Christians we stay at the place of salvation, but we don't allow the development of Christ within us, then we remain immature. And this is the challenge that we see. Even Jesus putting this almost unreachable idea out there. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you're to be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So what does that really mean? I mean, it seems impossible or unattainable. What does it really mean? In Luke 6.39, there's a parable that Jesus tells, and I want to read that. says then Jesus gave the following illustration this was just after he talked about love for enemies and not judging others and he says can one blind person lead another won't they both fall into a ditch students are not greater than their teacher but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher and there's this place where we have to grab hold of a scripture like Jesus saying You're to be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. And instead of just saying, well, that's completely unattainable, so I won't even try, because I think that's some of our choices. It's like, well, that's just too far out there. I'll never be like that. I mean, have you ever been around someone in a sport that's just stupid good? It's like so frustrating. Now, this maybe you're not going to call this a sport. I don't really play sports anymore. But I play ping pong. Okay, And I play in a club with my son on Tuesday nights, a USA table tennis club, every Tuesday night. And me and my son have been playing together for years, and Jeremiah's really good. And, uh, and, you know, but I pretty much beat him all the time. So we had kind of gotten to this place where we just we play each other all the time, and we don't really know anybody better other than Dayton King, but thankfully he doesn't live here. And uh, we joined this table tennis club just last month. And we started playing with these guys, and we realized... Wow, they're all really good. <laughs> we got guys driving over from Cornwall to play, and they're like really good. Now, I lost most of my first games with these people. But over the last couple of weeks, I've been able to beat some of them. And I realized, because you could go into a place like that, and you play someone that's so much better than you, and you lose a whole bunch of games, and it's easy to get discouraged and be like, I'll never be that good. And I think the same thing happens in Christianity. You come to church, 
And maybe you're just meeting Christ and you look around and, and of course, we all tend to put our Sunday best on. And so we look at everybody else and we think, well, I'm never going to be that good. I'm never going to be as good as Greg and Jessica or Justin and Julie. I'm never going to be as good as that person over there or that person. And so we tend to not try any harder. But see, what happens is I keep showing up for ping pong to play guys that are better than me. Guess what happens? I get better. A few of those guys give me pointers on how I'm holding my paddle and how I'm spinning the ball and and all these nuances that you wouldn't know even existed in ping pong. And somehow I get better in the practice and development and training of it. This is what Christianity is supposed to be like. You know why we come to church? So that God can transform us into what we're supposed to be more. Why do we get around people? Why are we having a men's breakfast where they read the scripture, iron sharpens iron? Because you can't possibly get sharper in your Christianity unless you're around other people to sharpen you. There's this place where maturity literally takes time. It takes development. It takes work. It takes effort. Sometimes, and actually I shouldn't say sometimes, always it takes pain. It takes difficulty actually to shape us. We don't ever learn the easy way, just so you know. You see through the scriptures, uh, these metaphors, and we talks about refiner's fire, and if you ever watch, I I sometimes get, I watch weird things, and I'm on, I follow this guy on Instagram, and he's, he does like old school forging. You know, he's putting the metal in the fire, and he's teaching you to make small projects, and in weird ways, I dream about getting my own forge and hammering metal, I don't know why. But I watch this guy, and he's beating on these pieces of metal over and over and over. That's you as a Christian. Jesus heating us up, bending us a little bit, beating us. And listen, the harder you are, the more beating it takes. The more set we get in our lives, sometimes the more solid we think we are and the less malleable we are, the more it takes that heat to bend us and to mold us. And that's really what Christianity and molding into what Christ calls us, that's what maturity actually is. It's can we actually endure what God wants to develop in us? And there's this challenge, and I read this scripture, and it says, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. That word trained it's a different word. It's, I put it in your notes, katartizo, and I don't really care about it, but it's giving us this different word, and we'll see it translated a few different ways throughout the New Testament. But it's this idea of developing and training so that something is now possible. And what we see is that through training, through development, we can become like our teacher. We can become like Jesus. We can become like our Father in heaven. But it takes training. Has anybody ever trained for anything really hard in here? I really haven't. My wife has. That's why I always talk about her. She trained to run 110 miles. Before that run, she ran nearly 1,000 miles training for it. She wore out multiple expensive pairs of sneakers. Wore, wore the bottoms right off them. Because she was training for something hard so that when she got to that place, she could actually do it. See, that's Christianity. You see, Jesus does 
promise that we're going to have trials and tribulations in this world. But when we come to those trials and tribulations, if we have not trained, if we have not let God grow the maturity in us, then those are the things that take us out. And that's what's been reminded to me in these last number of months. And that's why I started on this prayer thing where we have to have this stance, right? We see in Ephesians 6 that we should have this stance. Well, that stance is maturity. That stance is actually being ready for whatever life throws at us. That there's this place of training that allows us to be ready. But if we're not ready, then when things come, it blows us over. Or if we're not ready, when distractions come, we just stop going to church. You know, we, when we do the calculations of how many people come in these doors every year, it boggles my mind. And those are just the ones that fill out cards or check in their kids. In, in just last year, around 700 different people, not including any of the events, if we include events, it's around 1,500 people, but not including that, just Sunday morning attendances, around 700 different people come in the building. Now, we could literally say, well, we're just doing a bad job. Maybe we are a little bit. I don't think we're that bad. I think that at the end of the day, life distracts people. Life gets loud and people seem to fade away. I mean, sometimes we'll just go, oh my gosh, we haven't seen so-and-so in five weeks. What happened? And then sometimes when we have conversations, it's like nothing really big, but somehow we get distracted away. I'd hate to say it, that's kind of a sign of immaturity. See, maturity actually puts something within us to be resolute, to stand firm, to stand strong. That God wants to grow something in us that we don't get distracted. I think about the, I think about the soils in that, that story of Jesus saying there's those that get distracted. There's those where the, the birds come and take the seed away. There's this place where we're supposed to be the soil that grabs hold of it God's hold of God's word is what it says in Mark 4. And then we become fully developed. We become mature Christ followers. See, it's not just our job to reach broad. It is our job to go deep. To let our roots grow down deep into God's love as we read. To let our roots grow down deep and to, to be solid we see in, in Matthew 5 as well, to be solid on the rock who is Jesus, that there's this foundation, there's something within us that in maturity we're supposed to be solid and standing firm with who God is. But it takes work. How is it possibly perfect? Well, it takes training. Hebrews 10.14, just to make you feel a little bit better about this scripture and the perfect one, the Hebrews writer says this, For by that one offering... The cross. He forever made perfect those who are being made holy. I like this. So you're perfect right now. Take solace in that. But you're also being made holy. You're still in process. You're perfect, but you're in process. I know it doesn't make sense. But that's okay, because Jesus said it. The scriptures tell us. That he's made us perfect by what he did there. We've put on his righteousness, as the Bible talks about. But then in that, we're being made holy. We're growing in maturity. We're growing in the things that he calls us to. 
And my declaration for this year over our church is this. Is that we're going to grow in maturity. We're going to grow in the things of God. We're going to put our roots, I hope, a whole lot deeper this year. Every one of us, maybe you've, maybe you've been following Christ for five months or for a couple of weeks. Maybe you've been following Christ for 45 years of your life. Your roots can go even deeper. I have these really big trees in my backyard. I cut one. I had these two really, really big pine trees, about 38, 40 inches in diameter. And I cut one of them. They were kind of these twin pine trees. I cut one down because... Basically, I just couldn't see anything past them. And I built my addition within about 25 feet of them. And, and I couldn't see any packs, so I cut the one down on the right-hand side. And uh, my neighbor, after I cut it down, he's like, oh, you should be worried about that. I was like, why? He's like, well, those trees, they, they grew together. So you just cut that one down, and that's half of the other one's strength. It's like, well, thanks for telling me after I cut it. I can see better. But now every storm, I'm looking at that tree. Because it's big. <laughs> and I think to myself, oh, that's kind of like us. And this is what I, I've literally prayed for my tree, just so you know. Jesus, let those roots be really deep. <laughs> let them be wrapped around some monstrous boulder in the ground that no matter what comes up on the winds here, that tree is going to stay put. That's the prayer for our lives. That's the prayer of what we should look like, that no matter what comes, even when some ice storms come and some heavy snow comes and some branches break off of us, but that the tree doesn't fall down. That we're being made holy, we're being fully developed. Romans 12, 2, the same word. That same teleos word, that same word that's, that says maturity in Ephesians that we read. Got to find Romans here. It says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. This is a, that's a big statement. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's the same word there. It's fully developed. It's complete. That there's something God wants to complete in us, but we have to let him transform us. We have to let him do the work in us. And this year, this is my prayer for us as a church, for me as an individual. That we can go home and maybe literally look in the mirror, do it as a prophetic act. And we can say, God, I want to see what you really see. Now probably the first things you're going to hear, if you're really listening, is a whole bunch of good stuff. Because I'm telling you, Jesus isn't looking at you in some disappointed way. He wants to show us what he sees in us. But then he might start to show you how you're not quite there yet. And I don't know about you, but you need to build a practice in your life. And I need to build a practice in my life where I actually ask God those questions. God, how have I not reached it yet? Don't say, God, if I haven't. No, you have. You've missed it. You've missed the mark. There are places where God wants to develop us more. And so we have to actually ask and listen, Jesus, show me how I need to be developed more. You know, I, I pray this prayer every single week. 
I don't I used to pray God if I've if I've hurt anybody can you bring it to my awareness now I just say God bring to my awareness who I've hurt because I started to realize I'm human we're human I make bad choices I make dumb decisions sometimes I don't I'm just not even aware of a, another person's feelings and so God I just want to be aware make me aware of my 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 shortcomings Make me aware of where I fall short in people's eyes. Make me aware of where I'm falling short in, in your eyes, Jesus. And I think as humans, we just tend to never want to see that truth, right? We never really want to look in the mirror without all our makeup on. But yet there's something healthy and mature as a Christ follower to let God put his finger on our life a little bit. To let him say, hey, you remember you signed up for that reading plan, but you haven't even opened the app yet. To challenge us in ways that aren't to hurt our feelings, but literally to see us become what he calls us to become. And so over these next few messages, my, my hope in, in, in the kindest way I possibly can is to hold a mirror up. <laughs> Maybe I'll bring a big one next week. You'll all sit at the back. It's to hold a mirror up so that we can say, okay, God, let's take an account. Not to, not to feel depressed or to say, oh, man, we're really falling short, but to simply say, God, I know you have more. I know you can develop me even more. And I want to end today with just a few things. It's a list at the bottom of your notes. I'm going to hit some of these in, in some bigger messages, but I wanted to throw out, these are just a few of my top marks of someone who's trained in maturity. And this comes from the scripture. It doesn't come from me, but when I read through the scriptures, these are the ones that kind of like, yeah, yeah, if someone does that, they're mature. I actually added one in writing during worship, and I'll give, it, give you that one at the end. But first one, and actually this is probably the one that Jesus repeats the most. Love for your enemies. Luke 6, 27 through 37. You can read those scriptures later. Matthew 5, 38 through 48. Jesus says, what good is it if you love people who love you? Everyone does that. But he says, you'll be truly acting as children of heaven if you love your enemies. That's a sign of maturity. How are you loving people who aren't like you? Who don't look like you, act like you, vote like you, who don't share the same memes on Facebook as you? How are you loving them? That's a huge measurement of maturity. Steadfast in the truth. Ephesians 4.14, steadfast in the truth. It means that when God has spoken truth into your life, it doesn't disappear easily. It means that when maybe a different voice comes along and tries to whisper a lie about you or to you or even about the church, that you're steadfast in the truth, you're able to, to dismiss the lie and stand in the truth. That's maturity. Speaking the truth in love. Oh, I love this one. Ephesians 4, 15. I love how wrong the church gets this one. 
It says speaking the truth in love. It means that truth can only reside within love. It means we don't have really the space to speak truth unless we love the person first. It means we actually have to love our enemies, love people deeply. We have to get that part done right before we can hold a sign to make sure that they know the truth. A sign of maturity. Discernment of right from wrong. Hebrews 5.14. We read that. That a sign of maturity is literally the ability to just make decisions on what's right and wrong. Now listen. I think it's like most of us be like, oh yeah, that's easy. Shouldn't get drunk all the time. Shouldn't swear. Shouldn't listen to dirty jokes. Okay. That's, my, that's what I'm teaching my five-year-old. I'm talking about when you come to a situation and a circumstance where you're just not sure which one's right and wrong. When it looks like it could go either way, when you're in the midst of a relational struggle and you're just trying to figure out what's right. It's when you come to a place where you're like, I'm not sure what to do. That's the maturity part where we should have discernment to now go, oh, this is going to be a wrong path for me. This is going to be a wrong decision for me. Oh, if I comment on that that thread online, that's going to be a bad decision. It's not necessarily a sin listed in the Bible, but it's a place where there's a right from wrong, a place where God says, listen, don't choose that for you. And that we have discernment. That's a sign of maturity. Here's another one. Endurance of faith in trials. James 1, 2 through 8. He talks about God developing our endurance. He says that when our endurance is fully developed, we'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That one scripture has always boggled me. Perfect and complete, needing nothing. Endurance. The ability to stick it out. Consistency. That's a sign of maturity in Christ. Avoiding foolish discussions, 1 Timothy 6.20. Avoiding foolish discussions, that can fit in a million different categories. But if we just started on social media, ooh. And here's one that I added. Colossians 3.14. Make room for each other's faults. That's a sign of maturity. It's when we have the eyes to look at someone and even when they wrong us, we can go, they probably didn't really mean it that way. And even if they did, I've got room for that. I'm going to make space for that because I know they're being developed just like I'm being developed. These are the marks of maturity in Christ. And there's a lot more than that. Why don't we stand this morning? I'm just going to pray and then Julie's going to come up. I'm going to pray that that God begins to work on us this year so that we go deeper in Him. God, we just thank You for who You are, God. We thank You for that grace You paid for on the cross, Jesus. We thank You that, that really nothing is possible without that. But Jesus, we also want everything You have for us. 
not just the grace, not just the mercy, God. We want the development. We want the endurance, God. We want the training, God. We want the shaping and the transformation. God, we want our roots to grow down deep in you. God, we don't want to look at the process of training and just say, well, that's too hard. But God, we just want to start with one step today. One forward movement in training today. God, I ask right now that even this week you would do something to put it on our hearts. What's one forward step, God? What's one thing you want to highlight? As you just develop in us who you are, Jesus. Greg, as we go into this new year, this is such a great focus, isn't it? To remember that God has more for us. There's been times where it's hard for me to receive correction. And then I have to remember that I actually crave to grow, that I want to do better, and it takes help. So even as, as we're asking what, what he was just praying, is we're asking the Holy Spirit to say, what is one thing? that you want me to grow in. Can we remember that we need to be like that tree? Can we remember that we need to not be alone and that we're stronger and we can accomplish it together? And one practical way, I just wanna ask everybody, and this is a challenge to myself, that whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's asking you to grow in in this season, will you share that with somebody? Will you ask somebody to walk alongside you or to keep you accountable in that or to even ask you again about that? We wanna do this together. We want to be open to growing, amen? Pastor Don used to always say that growth or change is spelled P-A-I-N. And so I guess I want to leave us all today with, are we willing to go through a little more pain to be able to grow a little deeper? It's a good question to ask, but in the reality of it, the pain that we're willing to do in growing will keep us from a lot of pain in maturity as we go. So thank you all for joining us today. You are dismissed. I pray blessing upon everybody and that as we go, we may be a blessing to everyone we go and see. Amen. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.